Hey, this is Paul. I'm super excited to say hi and introduce today's episode. It's been a minute since we did one of these, right? But uh, I got to say, before we jump into the story, I want to shout out our Facebook and Instagram followers. It's so fun to banter with you nerds in the comments. So if you ever want to ask us a question or make a comment, check out Dark Nexus on the socials and give us a follow. I'm pretty sure any one of us could talk about Dark Nexus all day. And, you know, speaking of community, there is an entire other game we're recording for our Patreon subscribers. These are the people who've made a commitment to $3 a month or more to help us manage the expenses of recording and distributing the podcast. And we love our listeners that make up our community. And we hope you consider joining the Patreon if you haven't already. Maybe we'll whisper to you the name of an ancient alien god who will grow inside your mind until you're driven insane by the inmost blot. Oh, yeah. That happened. Enjoy chapter 43. Holy. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act 2, Chapter 43. Wow. Yeah, we're um, just a little meta information here. Sometimes we have to record multiple episodes in a single sitting. We're all still sitting right now in the aftermath of last week's episode. Uh, Still reeling a little bit from all the stuff that did go on there. R.I.P. Jane. Any final thoughts, Katie? I take comfort in knowing that I have <laughs> created a character that can make me cry when she dies in another world that I'm not mm. actually playing her in. Oh. But Jane exists in um, multiple forms. Yeah. So this is just one aspect of it that was incredibly hard. Yeah. And you, you surprised me. And uh, you got me. <laughs> That's my job. Yeah. So well done, you. Um I'm glad that that's over. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things being over, yes, the, the the fight, the fight with Jane, yeah, is over. I was just gonna say, also, I know I referenced it last week oh, yes, or last yes, episode, yes, yes. but that the two characters who did the killing blows, Grip and uh, Roni, were the two prisoners that Jane failed to save the last time we saw her Mm. which is even more sort of tragic and awful absolutely well hey speaking of tragic and awful (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all four of you have just become part of the great old one Jamandor we don't fully know what that means yet but we do feel him inside of us inside each of your brains. I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean literally. Something is growing inside your head. And as Dora becomes more and more aware of this sensation, the the backside of her neck 
the backside of her shoulders, all along the backside of her body, starts to itch and throb, as if her skin might be aware of what's about to start happening to her. And something she may have experienced in another life might be being born anew. We closed with taking two points of sanity damage, which puts everybody in the party at three. In everybody but Grip's case, that was below their threshold, so there was no effect to that. Grip, this does mean uh, you are no longer latent. Mm. So the phobia does come roaring back, and we'll have to keep slashing weapons out of Grip's view even more than we had been. And in both Dora and Grip's case, who had been working on building up enough days without taking sanity damage to try to get rid of those madnesses, we're back down to zero. Zero days since the last workplace accident. (laughs) As we stand in this foul cave where Jane Fury had been creating drugs by the light of a single campfire illuminating this image of a spiraling mass of tendrils with two long descending tails. All four of you now look at that image and you think Shaman Dor. You are staring at the unholy symbol of a great old one that you are now a part of. You recognize that symbol. You know exactly what it means. We can now make a few checks at a very different difficulty level hmm. about the great old one, Jamindor, now that we have been reabsorbed into his consciousness. Those of you able to make knowledge religion checks, can go ahead and do so. 22. Ray rolled a 20. I want to say, too, that uh, at the end of the last fight, Ray was down to three hit points. So during this knowledge religion check, he's tapping himself with the Cure Light Wounds wand and kind of laughing? (laughs) Just a little to himself. (laughs) Oh, boy. You're right, Ray? (laughs) Aren't you? Thanks for uh, keeping us alive. Absolutely. But seriously, you okay? I am. How are you, Dora? I'm all... all right. Good. I'm a little concerned. This place. About you. Let's... what do you think of this symbol? I know what it means, but um, uh, I don't recognize it from my memory, only from this thing that has been done to us. What do you think about the symbol? Here's what Ray and Roni know. The living cancer known as Jamindor has existed on innumerable worlds across the immensity of time. And in almost all cases, its gestation on those worlds resulted in their doom. It consumed their inhabitants from within 
and transposed those entire worlds. I think you would know this now. Into the parasitic heart of the alien city of Carcosa. Ray has been... I think both Roni and Ray have been biffing multiple checks on Haster, as if these characters just did not want to remember what they may have known or read. Or too close to. Exactly. But the city of Carcosa is where Haster lives, rules, is imprisoned. Since we have failed so many of those other checks, we don't know yet too much about Carcosa, but we do know that it is Haster's domain, and we do know that Jamandor, this fungal entity that crosses the immensity of space, travels from world to world with the purpose of dragging those worlds into Carcosa somehow. Whether Carcosa or Haster or Jamandor came first, who birthed what, who spawned what, who serves who, who serves what, we don't know yet. But we do know that there is a profound connection between what you are now a part of and the Great Old One, Haster. Jamandor is the Great Old One of decay, parasites, and transformation. Hmm. Ray knows that it has a physical body. It must inhabit a physical place, but to think of the ancient sewer or hidden lake or lost cavern where the inmost blot resides as the extent of its being is to completely misunderstand the nature of the inmost blot. This insidious great old one does not truly live within the tangled mass of bone or hair or fungus that one might mistake for its form, but it actually exists, truly exists, inside the dreams and memories of anyone who has ever heard its name. Anytime its name infects a living host, it spreads within, planting itself inside the flesh and mind alike. And over time, anyone seated by Jamandor will be transformed wholly into undead servants of the great old one, Jamandor. Hmm. Can I interpret that the stain upon my back was dormant when I awoke 12 days ago as a sign there is a possibility of interceding in that process of transformation do you understand I do understand what you're asking so the extremity of what the four of you experienced It was not as simple as brain wipe 
like you know some sort of sixth level bard spell where you forget right, okay. the last experience five wipe. It was like your personhood, the extent of your experiences and knowledge and ideas and selfness were somehow pulled out of you in a way that still those of you with magical knowledge in this campaign, Ray and Roni and Dora, you still can't even fathom how such a thing would be done. But you know it can be done because it, it happened to you. So to characterize what Dora feels at that thought as a ray of hope might be a bit of an yeah. overstatement, but, but there is a possibility. She seeks only the possibility of intercession. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whether by ritual or something else. This might bring to mind as well. Perhaps there's an answer in the chain of pipes. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> I can take from those of you that can make them, which I'm guessing this is probably Dora and or Roni, Knowledge Arcana, Knowledge Planes, oh, and Ray too, Knowledge Religion. Make those all separately. and um, So if I can make more than one? Feel free, go ahead. Mm. I'll start. I'll go through the checks one at a time. Okay. I'm gonna connect a little something that we we hadn't yet fully brought up because I think, based on the question you just asked, Katie, Dora, Dora's brain might be going there, and she has an intelligence that is so far beyond every single one of ours. Let's start with the knowledge arcana checks. Do those yield anything interesting? Not for me. Not for me. Okay. Fourteen. Sixteen. Sixteen together. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So four would die. <laughs> okay, I like it. And then what did the knowledge planes checks yield? Better. 30. 28. And the knowledge religion? 26. 18. Okay. What are you all doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> Sitting around thinking. <laughs> it's appropriate that you ask that, Robert, because they're all looking at grip. We're going we're gonna to bounce back to what we experienced in the prologue here of seeing these tattoos on Grip's arm in an entirely different configuration. And I referred to them as not just being simpler, as though over time he had just added more. The meaning of what had previously been inscribed had been specifically broken and changed by what had been added to them. And Dora, as she thinks back on what she saw in that vision and what she sees on Grip's arms now, she knows that, she doesn't know the nature of them, but she recognizes that effectively there were some sort of binding runes on Grip's body, binding him to some sort of either powerful outsider or god, which gets the two of you thinking. They look remarkably like obeisance and binding sigils to a demon lord, which gets Ray thinking as we talk this out that he might recognize the leering demonic face that had crudely been depicted amongst these runes on Grip's arm at one point in his life as representing the demon lord 
Nergal, the god of senseless war. This is this is what they were. This is what they were. And Ray, you know, this is this is an old god. It's a it is a being that was a full-up deity during the time of the Aslanti. And then when his worship went into a major decline during the Age of Darkness, he he sort of fell from full godhood. But just enough people, and typically in the, the desert wastes of the South, just enough people, just enough creatures, just enough beings continued to worship this thing that his divine spark remained as he became uh, a demon lord. He is... He, he was the sun god, essentially, of the Aslantes. And in, you know, so many cultures, the sun god is a force of benevolence, a force of good. In the deep deserts of Garund, the sun was seen as a force of destruction and evil and wasteful wreck. Senseless warfare. What an area of concern, right? Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, there is more to that story that I don't need to take time with at this present moment. But as you ponder the... You don't know the specific... Na- because that, that check that you got there, Katie, you don't know the specific nature of what these binding runes may have done or did, but you would think of them as essentially unbreakable. Like, when somebody binds their soul to a demon lord, they're binding their soul in life and eternity in the afterlife. And the breaking of these should not be possible. Unless by an elder god of some kind. Or unless one's... You know, it's so esoteric, but if you do not have memory, experience, or anything that makes you you is that essentially a reset button on your soul the contract is nullified it Mm. could be it could be now you do know that the work that was done on these tattoos was done before this campaign started so it seems as though uh, you know maybe he had been trying to break this before you don't know if he succeeded or failed but you know he feels nothing right now but yeah, this question, this this question we're now going to start to percolate on is, well, you know, what is the soul? What does it mean to be connected to something? What happens when all that is you is taken away from you? Are you a different person? Like, are you yeah. actually an entirely different being? Who knows? Something we're going to wrestle I with. I would say yes, of course. <laughs> just to save grip consequences. No, just demonstrably in my own life, I'm clearly a different person than <laughs> right, I was right. before I came in. Right. In the In the memory that we have that started this new season. Yeah. Did he have those then? Did he have those tattoos then? When he was a teenager on that yeah. dock? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that time, he he was bound to Nergal, mm. the demon lord of senseless warfare. When my head was shaved and I was very red very and sunburned. sunburned. Yep. Hmm. This would probably give you start to give you some clues as to where Grip's origin is. I think something came up about the, the specific skin tone that he's got being grayer rather than greener. Yeah. It's pretty typical to 
many of the sort of jungle and desert reaches of Garund, this would probably click into place. That's almost certainly true. And knowing your complexion and your sort of ethnic stock, Roni, one reason why you might have been so terribly, terribly sunburned is being in a part of the world where your your kind has is not familiar with, is not uh, accustomed to the amount of sun, the level of the sun, the direction of the sun that you may have experienced at that place, wherever that was. Did Roni have his um, tattoos, his facial tattoos of the... No, he did not. Okay. And he definitely didn't have any teeth of precious yep. metal. Mm-hmm. He may have had one or two of the iron teeth at that point. Hard to say for sure. He didn't really get that glimpse into his mouth. But um, that's, that whole situation was not Got it. in full mode either. Got it. Something to percolate on. Indeed. So so knowing that we are now a part of this thing... Yes. Do we know of any way to get rid of it? As far as you know, there is no way to get rid of it, based on those checks. You know, you will you will progress in experience and maybe find other sources of information. I don't suppose it confers any benefits. <laughs> it sure does to Jamandor. <laughs> do well, we... That's a shitty deal. Like you, like he—he he literally got bigger yeah. the instant you all heard his name. Are we assuming that Jean? How do you, how do you say it? Jamandor. Jamandor is. Jamapel Jamandor. Is what Dora saw, or what Dora got the glimpse of? No, no, no. it's no. a different giant. That's an entirely other terrifying thing. <laughs> Living under great, the great, earth. Great, great. <laughs> uh, Gull is going to walk over to the uh, table of all the alchemical stuff. Is there anything on that table that he could use to destroy uh, or cover this picture, this holy symbol on the wall? Absolutely. There would be so many different solutions and compounds. Is he and able to? He 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 starts to mix up stuff. Yeah. And you see him just taking this stuff and just splattering it on this thing, to so that it like. Uh, eats away at it, destroys it, so that at least no one else that comes in here will see it. Will see it, or have the possibility of being infected by it. Yes. And you do know that all all it will take is finding out this name. Perhaps being curi- so, curious about. Mum's the word, everyone. Exactly. Yeah, that would be. So it doesn't matter who says it. If we say the name. To somebody in front else. of someone else, does it happen to them? Or yep. was it? 100%. That's how he spreads. It is how he spreads. Crazy. Knowledge of his name, knowledge of his existence feeds him. Can we uh, <laughs> check out this um, uh, other door all the way to the west in the cave here? Have we, we searched have? this entire room first? For sure. We can search the room. Sorry, I think, I I think sure. after, you know, yeah. it's finally time to get some loot, right? <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Loot? That would be amazing. There is some loot to be found. Do they have any sacks that aren't filthy? The cleanest sacks in town are in Jane's Cave. (laughs) (laughs) Jane's Cave of Sacks. Oh, guys. Stop. It's too soon. (laughs) Okay. Let me tell you what you find in the main chamber first. So as, as the wolf died, very, very slowly, as you are all having these conversations and contemplating what you've just learned, the wolf did transform very, very slowly back into a human shape. And there is definitely equipment on Jane's body. You see a whole bunch of stuff on these uh, on these alchemical tables. And then there is that barricaded off 
hallway to the northwest with another one of those uh, tree trunk twine vine situations. Do you want to open that up there, Roni? Yeah, I will uh, check it for traps first. Great, give me a check. Ooh, 28. No sign of traps on this. And again, it appears to be like the previous one, not a complicated thing, just something big and bulky designed to block the passage and slow things down. 26 disabled device. It easily falls to your magical blade that you keep out of Grip's sight. What's going on over there? (laughs) Nothing to see here. Beyond lies about a 20 foot by 20 foot rounded cave containing a scattered pallet of blankets, wooden wash basin with clean water, clearly a bedchamber, and a sturdy, finely made chest. Check it for traps. Dora will detect psychic significance. Ooh, not very good. Only a 20. All right, it looks clean. You can open it up. Yep. Oh, is it locked? Let me see if it's locked. Oh, wait. Did she have a key on her? I'm going to check her first. Yes. Okay. Are you detecting magic, right? Yes. Detect magic. Zoom. Zoom. Her wooden armor, her finely made black wooden armor, is radiating magic as is something inside a uh, scroll case that was tucked at her hip. Across the way, across the room, you do also detect the traces of magical auras spilling out from, there's a crate down the south wall just to the southwest of the alchemist's table, and there are clearly uh, multiple magical auras spilling out of that crate. As you look over Jane's body, uh, in addition to this magical wooden armor and what turns out to be a scroll. Uh, she's got a masterwork spear, spell component pouch, and indeed, she does have a small silver key. I will use the key to open the chest. Take the key back up to her bed cave, and the key slots neatly into the trunk, to the chest. Pop it open. And as you do, as you slide that key into the lock, a small needle pierces the tip of your finger. Does 17 hit your touch armor class? Yes. You take only one point of damage. But give you a fortitude save. It is indeed poisonous. I'm real glad I still have that antitoxin. Trapped chest. What kind of bullshit is this? <laughs> Who's ever heard of such a thing? Ever heard of a druid trapping their own chest with poison? Mm. Oh, nice. What'd you get? 28 versus poison effects. Okay. You do seem to fight off the effects of the poison, but here's the thing that I forgot to do with grip way back when fighting the the giant centipedes. On initial exposure to a poison with the system that we're using, regardless of whether or not the save succeeds, a victim does take a small amount of poison damage, in your case, two more points of damage from this poison, but you fight off any further effects it might have. Do I heal up anything? Oh, no, I don't. I'm not bound. I'm unbound. Inside the trunk, uh, surviving this encounter with the poison needle trap, Johnny, Roni finds several changes of clothes, all dark and black and gothy. Clean. Clean. Door will uh, investigate that. Mm-hmm. If you want to look like a uh, 
a uh, swamp well, witch. I, you, you certainly know, I might yes. pick and choose pieces. Sure, sure, sure. You find a clay jar with a paste inside of it. Give me a craft alchemy check. 31. This is processed muscaria. This is one of those mushrooms that you observed outside that has been processed to its maximum effectiveness. This is the one of the ones that is highly addictive and it's the it's the shaman mushrooms. It's the one that gives you alchemical bonus on a one knowledge check, perception and sense motive checks, but devastates your charisma, uh, drains your personality and is uh, something of a sedative. Has to be eaten. It is a it is an ingested poison. And you also find a fairly large, non-filthy leather sack that is positively clinking with coinage containing 1,694 gold pieces. Wow. The profits are for drug sales. Mm. Back down uh, at the alchemist's lab, uh, as I mentioned, I think, before, Johnny, all the equipment here, if you want to find a way to take it with you, can be treated as a masterwork alchemist's lab. You find... I'll just roll that craft alchemy check over. You find four doses of belladonna, six doses of blood root, ten doses of flay leaf, and one dose of malleus root paste. We can get into the details on those later if we wish to. Yep. There is... Inside the crate near the work table, when you open that up, all those auras that Ray saw turn out to be 11 magical potions. Wow. Wow. Give me, let's start off with some spellcraft checks from you, Ray, and you might be able to get these banged up pretty quickly. If you can't, Ronnie, we'll jump in. Again. I rolled a spellcraft back when you said there was a scroll on Jane. Oh, yeah, what'd you get for that one? I got a 21 for that one. It's a scroll of lesser restoration. Ooh. Check out the wooden armor, too. You can heal one point of someone's sanity damage with that spell. Um, 18 on the wooden armor. Unknown. And uh, how many spellcraft checks for these potions? Give me one to start. 17. You do recognize six potions of cure light wounds. Mm. Let's have Roni pick up the other ones you don't recognize. 27. Three potions of bark skin Mm. and two potions of hide from animals. You find also, amidst the equipment on the alchemical table, uh, essentially a diary of sorts, a very muddled, difficult-to-comprehend diary, but something that would effectively give your characters the kind of meta-knowledge that that little blink into Jane's story gave last time. Mm -hmm. You would understand that she encountered the stranger, and she would use that name. 15 years ago and sort of you would understand the general arc of her life uh, as I outlaid before without too too much detail because you know would uh, we would we be able to figure out that this was the same would we be able to you never saw them we never saw them and, yeah I mean, but you, we, we heard stuff right we were locked in that room we heard stuff we came out we saw dead bodies you were nearly out from okay. the drugs that you were on at the time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know the date, though. You know it was 15 years ago. You have an understanding of one side of that. I think I think you'd put it together. Sure. I think you'd know I that she was there. I just don't know that they would know. I, well. Yeah. 
Um, enough to understand the basic gist of this is, enough to understand this is not Ariadne. This never was Ariadne. Yeah. Yeah. And that fear uh, from certain members of the town folk that Ariadne was back. Uh, Ariadne is not in this cave and never was. This is, was always Jane. Is the, na- is the J name anywhere near this book? Is it written down anywhere? The Jane name? The J name. Oh, that's actually X. It's X-H-A-M-E-N hyphen capital D-O-R. Okay. Is that name anywhere on this, anywhere written, anywhere? You do not find the actual name of Jamindor in these writings. Always, She always referred to it as the inmost blot or God, essentially. You do find a note, though, addressed to Jane. It's a request for a major increase in her deliveries of dream-inducing brews with the promise that soon all we seek to know will be revealed. And it's signed, Mellison. Mellison, we know, is the essentially the head housekeeper, effectively the butler of sorts, up at Iris Hill. This is also a name Miss that was... Mellison. Exactly. We know that there was... Uh, Mellison was around back in the days when Ray was a kid. She was a known entity at that time. Conversations between Dr. Vaticus and Ray indicated that she may have uh, enjoyed drinking. What was that... Um, what was the phrase, always seek... Soon all we need to know will be revealed. All we seek to know will be revealed. Alrighty. That's all nice. How hard would it be to um, take this masterwork alchemy kit? Oh, yeah, put it in the handy haversack? Handy haversack? Not a big deal. Okay, great. I just done wasn't sure if it was the sort of thing where it's like, no, this won't, won't be able to go in there kind of thing. Would the diary serve as some kind of evidence for the town about what's going on in this cave to alleviate those fears about the, the, the return of the witch? It absolutely would. We I should guess. also just bring her body. For sure. For sure. So we're going to pack up. We're going to take... Are we taking all the drugs or are we leaving the drugs here? Are those going in the sack? The handy sack? Yeah. I take the drugs. should be confiscated. Great. So we throw the drugs and the alchemical kit. Are we distributing those potions in any particular yeah, way? Let's, let's do let's that. Let's do that. Um, who wants a bark skin? Maybe I'll take one of those. Okay. One goes to grip. Who else? I already have ridiculous armor, so I'm good. Dora? I'll take one. Great, yeah. then I will take the other one. We have 11 uh, Cure Light Wounds. Should we... we have I thought there six. were six. six. I'm sorry, six. Six Cure Light Wounds. I maybe wouldn't mind taking a couple. Should we each have one and you take the rest? Sure, that's fine. Okay. Hide from animals is fun. It is fun. Imagine the possibilities. I'm assuming, uh, Paul, you want the scroll of lesser restoration. Yes. The gold pieces I will put into the sack. Sack. You want to put the, the armor in there as well? It's magical, so. The wooden armor is good. Wouldn't know. Didn't make that spellcraft check. It is the new red destiny. <laughs> so we're grabbing all this stuff. We've loaded 
uh, stuff into the haversack. We're probably carrying the big pouch of coinage out. And Grip is, I imagine, carrying the body of Jane out. And we're uh, making our way back through the cave system towards the shore. Anything else we want to wrap up here? Ray comes to Roni um, with the Cure Light Wounds wand out. Can I tap you a couple times? Sure. He is. Uh, he doesn't look super wounded, but uh, he is definitely still wounded. I'm only down um, eight hit points. Okay, he taps you twice for nine total. And I am back at max. And then he uh, places a hand on your shoulder and looks, makes eye contact with you and starts to initiate this lifelink bond again and says... Uh, his eyes are glowing slightly as he's making kind of intense contact with with Roni you're very brave do not be reckless with my life that I share with you I don't know who you are I don't know what we are to each other I'm willing to help keep you alive but don't kill me in the process He takes his hand off and breaks the eye contact, and we now have lifelink again. Got it. Thanks. Before we go, um, I know that we kind of glossed over this a little bit, but uh, Roni wants to kind of pull everybody back into the cave real quick and just go, if I ever look like I'm going to say that word, you kill me. If I ever think any of you are going to say that word and infect anybody else with this fucking thing, we're not friends anymore. Be careful, Tima. Tima now remembers the name. Oh, crap. Wow. (laughs) We'll have to do some thinking about that, Katie. Yep. Tima, I know you're in there. (laughs) If I ever hear you say that fucking word, I'll make you pay for it. Roni, please don't pass threats around the circle. Roni, please. Don't pass threats. What are you talking about? Don't pass threats between us, Roni. Roni. You may not know her, I don't know, but it's better not to antagonize her. It's better to find a way to convince her she doesn't want to say the name. Great. Let's do that. That's a fucking complication. (laughs) (laughs) So we head back out, and uh, I ought totally still sitting there in his boat. He's heard some very distressing sounds. And he sees you coming out with a, with a corpse over your... Ah, she wasn't able to ensorcel you with her mind powers. Do you recognize her, Tony? Oh, yeah, that's the woman I saw. I don't believe this is Ariadne. She doesn't appear to be 700 years old. No. no. <laughs> I'm glad you're willing to see reason about that. But I don't know much about witchy ways. She certainly was dangerous. Well, whatever she was, she's dead now. 
That was, uh... Well, that was really something, wasn't it? And he <laughs> turns to fa- face out into the fog, and he just preps to row the boat. As you load the corpse and all of your gear, and now, once again, you are just splattered with blood, covered in... Oh, we have some new cl- I have some new clothes, at least. True, 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 true. Well, I'm going to wash myself off in the lake water a bit, I think. Dusty spores. Fair yeah. enough. Oh, yeah, covered in dusty spores. I mean, ah. we would probably... I'm just, getting that shite off me. Yeah. Yes, just Clean wash down. Off. Yes, 100%. And I'm going back to Cassadia Rents, yes? Well, Tolly will you, you take you right back down to the fish market where yeah. that public pier is, and you can head from... Just carry this body Yeah, down. Yeah, maybe so, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think that that's the easiest way to make sure that everyone's like, if there was a witch, that witch is dead and gone. Hmm. Yeah, so make a little bit of a show of it. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So I'm, there are there are, you know, about the same number of people at the fish market as you land there. And they do all take note of you coming out with what appears to be a a, a dead witch draped over over a grip's shoulder and Is um, the child around? Hours later. Not hours later, like an hour later. Probably not, no. So we clearly were in cahoots with this woman at some point as part of her her drug sales. We've been gone for a while, so um, what Grip's wondering is, is someone uh, taken over? Uh, is someone going to be upset that this person is dead, that we have now interrupted the whatever drug trade was going on there? Mellison, it seems. Perhaps Mellison. Well, if they're upset with us, then it's going to be real easy to find them when they come after us. I guess that's true. That's true. So yeah, let's just let's just march this corpse through the street. Yeah, I love it. And also, I think we should make a point of like thanking Tolly. Like you know, make a point of like you know, just yes. kind of like this is a thing of like these people, our characters would not have behaved like this before. Yeah. So to publicly showing some appreciation for just a regular person. Yeah. Is, a, a regular person who other people might think is crazy too. So sort of validating him. Yeah. Th- yeah. That was certainly the impression and that you got yeah. that people didn't know what to think of what his story sure. was. And that maybe he kind of tells fish stories sometimes. Right. Um, Fishman stories. But fish also stories. changing people's opinion of us. I love it. I love it. I love it. Them rather. Give me a diplomacy check. May I? You may, and anybody, everybody can aid. Go ahead and roll diplomacy check to aid. <laughs> if you succeed, you do. If you don't succeed, there's no penalty. Okay, just a flat check for me. Ray, do you aid? I do, actually. I rolled 16 minus 4 <laughs> is 12. Right. So plus 2 from Ray. What about Grip? I got a 13 on the die for a 13. Total of 4. What about Roni? I rolled a 19. I almost got a natural 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, total plus six to whatever you get here, Dora. 28. Oh, wow. Okay, fantastic. Yes, uh, it is very obvious that the effect you intend to have in terms of communicating his usefulness, your change in manner and behavior, and the, the, the spreading seed of this information that there was a witch, he wasn't crazy, and that witch is dead, and it's not Ariadne can start to spill out amongst mm-hmm. the population this afternoon. And part of that, she yes. would just like to check in and say, if we have need of your services again, can we count on you? Oh, uh, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I'm usually at the 
I'm usually here most most days, and uh, you know I'm at the stain most most nights. What would the going rate be for like a fisherman? Like what would what would what did he lose? Yeah, by in terms of this taking day, us out. Now that we have drug money, exactly. <laughs> yes. around. Well, if I wasn't scared for my life because of Constable Rip Tusk, you know, I would have only <laughs> charged. He doesn't say that, of course. Uh, he would have charged two silver pieces per passenger for such uh, a trip like that so at that length of time. I'm gonna, and Grip, Grip wants to do it. Grip's gonna just flip a coin right to him and say, thanks for not fucking running off. Well, you're welcome, sir. <laughs> write, it, write it down. <laughs> I will. How, mu- how much are you giving him? Gold a gold piece. piece. Gold piece. Yeah. So just one? Yeah. That's that's good. That's Plenty. more than that's actually that's good. more yeah. than All right. eight All right. silver. That's a extra you don't, you don't get tip. rich by writing a lot of checks. Again, I've invented checks. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're you just really a font of financial wisdom. <laughs> Maybe you can invent the human resources department next. Let's just retire and open a bank. Well, we've totally just went over the town, right? Now everyone <laughs> loves and adores us. We're seen as benevolent and yeah. kind yeah, yeah, yeah. leaders, so, right? Right up to Cassadia Rents' door. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. And uh, Meg lets you in and... Thud. Thud. <laughs> corpse... On the uh, the meeting table, right off of that main room there. Not the Briarstone witch, but a witch nonetheless, and a drug dealer. Well, you sure made fast work of that, didn't you? What do we got here? Well, the witch is dead. Ding dong. And it was not Ariadne. Ariadne. No, no. or not? It was a different witch, old witch. You turn over the diary. As long as there's no. There was no possible way yeah, that anybody's no, no, no. going to get the name out of it. No, no, no. And also, there's no possible way that it's going to come back to be like, well, now we need to put you in jail for the things that you did before anything like that. Well, you are the jailer people. Right? I like, understand. <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. And it, and it is so haphazard and scattered and sad and you know, drug-fueled. It is largely a mess, but it would tell. If they spent an afternoon going through it, they would kind of get the same sense of the story of like, oh, this is somebody who um, encountered some... They wouldn't know the stranger. They encountered somebody and then went down this dark path. And now, and is been, there anything in there that would be useful in research later about the... In, the uh, What is it? The, what is the, the, the inmost blot? The inmost blot as an aid to research or anything like that. In mm-hmm. that case, Dora would ask for it back. If not, no. fuck it, no. No, Great. I think I'll, I think I'll throw in um, to it. it. It is specifically part of the lore that it is very, very rare that the name is written down. Uh huh. <laughs> but if there's any detail or insight about no, 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 the no. thing, then. No. And do you share the information that there was this letter from Mellison? Is that information mm. that you want Cassidy to have? I mean, it might be. Sure. She might be able to help us, so I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, that confirms something we've suspected for a long time that she's up to no good. And now she's sealed up in that place. Without her dealer. Without a dealer. Sealed up in uh, the hill. The, the mansion it? atop the hill, Iris yeah. Hill. Iris yeah. Hill. Yeah. Well. All right, my kudos to you. My hat's off to you. My my hat with the veil is is off to you. I tip my hat to you, each and every one of you. <laughs> does she actually tip her hat? To yeah, each she and does everyone? tip her hat. All right, a little tip of the hat there. I so, I also tip my. Was it a green it was bowler? A green bowler. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, 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 right. 
Well, all right. So, Lucky Jocelyn's been back and forth down with the boat, met the captain, had some conversations. I think we've got a plan set up for this afternoon. Uh, if you can help smooth things over with the, the folks from the asylum that you know, that would be very, very useful. We discovered that there were some folks there that had, well, they had need of some medicine. So we reached out to Centilar Rui, who has all sorts of uh, alchemical conco concoctions and elixirs and so forth. And he's, uh, he's on the boat right now, taking a look at uh, some of the folks, some of the kids, it sounds like, needed some, some medicine very desperately, one, yes. one older man in particular. And then... Loic. Yeah, and then there was uh, a whole bunch of other folks that needed uh, tending to in that way. Now, he's not a doctor, but he does have access to the, uh, the kind of medications that they would need to stabilize them for the moment. Uh, he's, he's willing to do this out of the goodness of his heart for today. I mean, he's not a long-term solution to this problem, but it seems as though for today at the moment, we've got these kids taken care of. Sounds like, from what I hear, you, Rhodey, are thinking about taking a look at folks Giving them, an, giving them an eye over, looking for looking over health concerns. You've been doing that already, I understand. Yeah. All right, so we're working on getting some food in from the Silver Wagon. They're going to send some stuff over, and some of the folks down at the pier here, uh, I presume, might be willing to help out as well. So I think, I think we've got one day covered here, but we're all going to have to be looking at... Um, we're going to have to be looking at what's going to happen here in the future as these folks we obviously can't keep prisoner but it is not safe for people to be wandering around here at night. I guess my recommendation would be we see if we can convince folks to stay on the ship one more night and maybe start dispersing folks early in the morning once we, we know we get clear another evening here at night, uh, in Thrushmore. Dispersing them to where? That's a great question. We'll have to take it case by case, but we'll start pondering that tonight. I'm sure the folks like the nurses there that you have amongst the group who did know those that were patients best might have suggestions or ideas, and, and we'll take that as it comes. Thank you for your work today. I'm, I am pleased. Did we fetch quest real good for you then? Oh, you fetch quested the shit out of that fetch quest. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> All right, we've got a little bit of time today. We've we've used our adventuring time, and I suspect we are completely out of resources at this point. <laughs> My guess is we're not going to continue further adventures, but move into some downtime activity for today. Yes, and do we need to do some sort of diplomacy check with the people on the ship? Yeah, they said you said smooth like things over. Like, what needs to be smoothed or is that, over? Is that sort of by action we've done that? That is by choosing to stay on the ship and being part of what's happening here yeah. is going to make this easier. If you all were like, not, not fuck going it, we're going to the silver the wagon. Yeah. Whatever happens, I don't okay. give a shit. That's going <laughs> to... Yeah, so I'm not looking for... You don't need to do anything other than gotcha. like be around, be a present. Okay. Um, interact positively with the folks. I was going to ask for another... If you have any first level spells left, I just if you're willing to use any of them, I, I, yeah. I'd like to... I might need it for uh, my downtime activity. Oh, okay. Remove sickness. But don't cast it now. Oh, okay. never mind. Well, I'll work with Rob to figure out what the appropriate time to cast it with the, when you make a check. Sure. So we, we can head back to the boat and we can see that uh, that things are more ordered, more organized at the moment. Food is coming in. You do see a, a portly, bespectacled halfling in a, in a little tailcoat and vest moving about and uh, distributing medicine. And you do notice specifically two Loic to Brenton, Maeve, and Bates, uh, and some others that, you know, have not yet been named that would also require this kind of attention that is happening. And during the course of this weird 
night and weird day. We know that, well, Dabwick was certainly witness to everything that was happening there. We know that Bates and Barnabas were certainly part of it. Uh, what has their what has their experience been like today? You know, you know, in brief, like they've these two are now being taken care of, and and Dabwick is sort of part of the ship's crew. What's going on with all them? Um, I see uh, Dabwick as assisting with latrine duty, making <laughs> sure that um, there's a, a whole bunch of new bottoms on the ship, and uh, we got to make sure that people stay clean, uh, sanitary. So Dabwick's going to focus on that and also start to talk up Casimir as an alternative to Thrushmore for these uh, people who worked at Briarstone. Hey, we're, you know, we're on a ship. Casimir's a wonderful city. Haven't you heard? It's got these massive ships that dock there every week. People come from all over the world. It's so exciting and there's so many opportunities for such Amazing young people like yourselves. Really, once this is all over and we're back on the sea, I think you should all come with us. Come back to Casimir. <laughs> Proselytizing the joy, the joys of Casimir. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, what about Bates? Uh, Bates. So this was a question that I that I had been wondering was like how long ago Bates actually came to to Briarstone, mm-hmm. and I think it's been a couple years now. I, like I don't it. think I don't think it's been I don't think he just got here like six months ago. I think he's been part of this system for like three or four years. Like so it. he came when he was you know like seven, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's grown up in Briarstone. And the coming back across the water in the boat, like sort of in charge partially, where he's like he has he's got a crossbow. You know, yeah, he's expected right. like... He's one of the sentries now. Exactly. He's expected... Um, gives him a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, gives him a sense of of being capable in a way that maybe he was not allowed while while in the asylum. Mm-hmm. And that he he's feeling more and more capable kind of thing. Like he's... Before this, I think that he would have been terrified. Of of doing sort of these things or or leaving Briarstone even right. and and now he's like no no I I think I can do this I, I, after this all is he be had really his good. face bitten off yeah. by a rat and he and so like literally you know that. he probably is like talking to uh, Dabwick so he probably is like see this is where I I had my nose bit off but it it's back on now see wow you're so brave I, I'm very brave have you ever Maeve cons- Maeve tell him I'm brave. So boring. She's running around with uh, with Brenton <laughs> <laughs> and the knights. And the knights. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That part was less boring though. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think that he he is sort of engaging with everybody. And when you know he sees this this uh, I I don't know that he's ever actually encountered a halfling before. <laughs> it's quite po- he's very young. He may not have. And there's not a lot in this part of uh, Where the he's country. He's kind of like. Oh, like you're kind of like a weird-looking kid. And he's surrounded by halflings. Yeah, all the crew, and now the al- alchemist coming in is also yeah. a halfling. Yeah. So, so this idea of like, oh, you can be small and be powerful and oh, be, yeah. you know, that he's like, oh, okay, you don't have to be like. Yeah, they don't have Lord of the Rings here. Right. Yeah. So. Right. So I, I think I think that he's really sort of taken with that, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, is pretty much demands that he gets to you know stand watch. So I think that he was like maybe standing watch last night. Yeah. And now when we're coming back is like, 
crashed out and looks like <laughs> an exhausted 11 year old yeah. little kid just like boom love out it. cold kind of thing love it love but it but I think I think that's where his I think that's where he's at love it what about Barnabas so he you know when he first woke up that morning he was you know and, and as he was kind of getting his bearings again he he was all very very agreeable oh yes and leading where he is being sent uh, you know anytime anyone leads him he's oh all right yeah we're going we're going yeah yes okay so but as this day has progressed you've seen him the cheeriness in his demeanor is getting replaced with like almost dread and he's spent most of the day writing uh, just writing feverishly and alternate and he's he is uh in his natural form um he is so he's not he's not Jean Renault he is um well I guess Brian Blessed or not Brian Blessed uh, uh what's his name um from Robin Hood um yes. Brian Bedford um from Disney's Robin Hood so he's in he's in his his anthropomorphic fox form right. and oh. he's he's just been so writing cool. Uh, writing feverishly, and then it, sometimes he'll stop and weep, and then he'll sleep, and then he'll get up and is weeping and, it, or, and writing again and you know, humming a song, but he's kind of withdrawn from all the people, clearly very disturbed and, and driven to get something out out on Boy, paper. Boy, does Doris steer clear of you. Huh? Huh? This is <laughs> very difficult to see you in yes. that form. Yes. Very... Hmm. Hmm. Confusing and um, painful, especially too. Now that you've you you, you know you've had another hit of yeah, sanity damage. Exactly, it's so tempting to just want to. Yeah, you weren't driven back out of latency, but every little hit, every little break, every little yeah. snap. Is that something? You. Would would you? Would this be visible to him? Would that? Would that? Well, she's avoiding you. I think that's clear. I think the first time she sees you in that form, she um, basically turns. Tail hmm. and uh, and and heads another way. He he notices. So Barnabas notices that, and he will, at least for a while. If if he sees Dora, he will he will revert to human. Oh, okay, yeah. If if he if he sees that that is causing discomfort. Um, if it's more comfortable to see the naked guy you woke up next to, um, <laughs> less traumatic, then he will he will try to be accommodating. But when he gets in these reveries where he's just writing, 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 and humming, he he may forget to focus on. Yeah, that. she'll avoid you. Yeah, it's it's Love okay. It. She'll you, be where you're not. Are you changing like up on top of the ship? Are you are you changing on the docks? Are you like or are you staying like below decks? Just in terms of thinking of like. Anybody walking by, that's a talking anthropomorphic fox well, person over there. I think he's entities, not concerned right? about that. Okay. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's not trying to hide from the populace, and and, and he will he will change shape in front of people. He they're maybe not as common, we, but they're not completely. And as we think of like our our friends amongst the chapel survivors, the Nases and the Vaustens and stuff, coming back with him. And of course, they're still adopting a similar kind of leadership position. And as everybody who seems to have some authority or some connection with many of the survivors are treating him just very normally, very welcomingly. I think people are, they're all going through their own trauma. They're like, okay, I don't know if this is not a threat. I don't have to worry about this. And they're, they're processing it. Um, I think we're going to pick up some downtime activity next week, except that I know, Katie, you were thinking about 
Tell me what you were thinking about. We might be able to wrap up with. I with had your idly bit. been thinking about the chain of knights. Mm-hmm. I'm now more than idly thinking about the chain of knights as it is connected to dreams and as this dream connection between us and the inmost blot mm-hmm. has been has happened, has been instigated. Um, I think she would take it a little more, a little less cautiously. And dive in. And uh, dive in. But also she um, probably got on the ship and um, offered her uh, occult skill unlock abilities to the captain. If there's anything, any readings she can offer the captain. Um, Oh, you can look at things and know what they're about. Some insight to them if they have some significance. Their pasts and so forth? Yes. What? That's terrifically exciting. How does it work? I wish I knew. I only know that it's there, available to me. Can I see? Yes, so um, do you have an item that you would like me to read, or shall I read one of my own? She kind of protectively covers her papers. Well, I don't know yet. I could demonstrate for you if you'd like. All right. So Dora draws forth the um, halfling finger bones, hoping that they're not recognizably <gasps> halfling finger bones or oh like God. her family's or something, but it's an item of significance um, that she would... Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Are, are we are yes. we here for We can this? assume okay. that we're all here. We're all present for this. Is there a place that we go for this? Yeah, where do you do it? Right on the deck? There is a... So there is essentially... There is one building on the deck of the ship, two-thirds of which is partial uh, supplies, possible, like, string-up hammocks for folks to sleep in, and then the other third is essentially the captain's quarters. And if you wanted, you know, if you want to demonstrate this to, to Skywind, to Captain Freeling, and you indicate a desire to keep it, somewhat private. She could take you into her, into her I, quarters. I think the quarters would, that's what That'd I was be going to suggest. Okay, great. So we all gather with Dora and Captain Skywind Freeling <laughs> in Skywind's quarters. Mm. And Dora pulls out the pouch of small finger bones. Yeah, they could be gnomes. Who knows? They're bones. So, wow, it's fun. We have it's been it's been years yeah. for us. <laughs> so, Katie, I need Dora to make a perception check. Do I make it? You make it. Oh. Do you need the remove sickness? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. So Ray casts remove sickness and a guidance. And a guidance. Ooh, guidance. Do it. Gonna superpower this. Uh, and a burst of insight, my great. last spell of the day. For a 25. You exceeded the DC by 10. You get two visions. Wow. So Dora sits down with the pouch of finger bones. Inside this closed cabin by the light of her crystal. And she sinks into the river of time and the, the memories of this item. It's a very brief span. It's a very brief life that this item has had relative to some of the other things that you have examined, especially when you compare it to kind of the, inter- the eternity of 
lives and deaths and horrors that you experienced back at the uh, at Lissandra's office. This feels even shorter than the span of time you had the wedding rings. And visions are swimming by you, and Dora reaches out and stops the flow, and this first vision is almost too upsetting to watch. Not necessarily because of the content, but because Dora feels the emotion of its subject, and her emotions are beyond description, nearly beyond the ability of a human body to contain. I'll keep it brief. You see a worked stone chamber, 20 feet wide, 15 feet deep. Dark hallways stretch to the north, south, and east. Everything's a little bit musty, a little bit damp, like we're underground here, maybe in a basement. The chamber contains two large wooden shelving units on the west and east walls, holding a large variety of small chests, boxes, a bunch of loose tools, liquids, supplies, and so on. Looks like a storage room of some sort. Pretty normal, in fact. Except, in the middle of the floor lies a closed wooden coffin. A fairly large one, and fairly old-looking, and well-used? That's a strange descriptor for something that's typically only used once, but there you have it. It's dirty. It's a little banged up. And there are smears of both what appears to be mud and blood on it. At the moment, this coffin is being used as a table or a work surface. There's a simple black cloth draped over the top, covering maybe half of the surface. A vat of lye rests upon the silk, along with a small circle of red candles, providing a menacing, shifting, eerie half-light to the space. There's a woman in black robes. She seems to be in her 30s. Tall and slender, warm metallic skin, cold metallic hair, blazing violet eyes. It's Dora's body, but Dora is not in it. Tima sits on a stool in front of the vat of lye. She's in a state of grief so extreme that she seems crazed. A small black and orange fox, sleek and smart, alert and protective, darts back and forth across the room watching the entrances. Renard is unflaggingly vigilant and looking out for his mistress. The work of a familiar never ends. And Dora watches as Tima pulls a small severed hand from a pouch at her side. And you watch as Tima drops her daughter's hand into the lie. You watch as she watches the flesh melt away. You watch as she extracts the bones with a pair of tongs and cleans them, applies a sealer from the nearby shelf to them, crying through clenched teeth all the while. You watch as she does this same thing with her daughter's other small severed hand. And then mercifully the vision ends and she's back in the river of time. She stops it again, and this second vision is, again, overwhelming, almost too intense to actually experience. Most of what Dora sees is a cloud of white-hot rage, pierced only sporadically by hazy glimpses of what was happening in the physical space at this point. Tim is there. She's older now, much, much closer to Dora's current age. She's holding the brown leather pouch as you know it, and you know it contains the bones. Tima is clutching her left hand around it so hard she's gouging bloody wounds into her palm with her fingernails. A man is there. It's Dr. Gulver Vaticus. He's also close to the age he died at. His salt and pepper hair is long and he's bearded now, but it's neat and well-kempt, not like the mess on his face when you watched him die. They're standing outside in the rain and fog. The sound of water lapping on a shore can be heard. The air smells of rotting fish. It smells exactly the same as the air that Dora can smell outside this room. They're standing in front of what looks like 
aborted a building of some sort, but through the haze it's hard to see. An old mansion, maybe? Dora can make out, amidst the white-hot rage of this vision, only a single bit of the conversation between Tima and Gulliver. He talked a lot. He always talked a lot. But this one bit, only this one bit meant anything to Tima. It's the only bit she processes, the bit that sticks, the bit that already has her deciding to make arrangements with Mellison. Because Gulliver leans in and whispers in Tima's ear, I just want you to know, it was Brayden. He did it. He killed her. But he means something else. And Tima knows what he means. He means, it was us. And that's the end of chapter 43. Tell you what, everybody. Let's bring some fifth-level character oh, sheets. Oh, oh, my God. 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 So much sooner than oh. I thought. See you next time. Oh, yeah, what a roller coaster. Oh, why did I save all those action points? Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. WTPK. Oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Two tags. Season good. two tag. <laughs>